also welcome those who are joining us on Facebook Live. We know lots of people, summer, lots of things happening. Uh, I will say this about the weather. You better enjoy today, right? Because if you've looked at the rest of the week, it's going to make you think, it's going to make you make a profession of faith. You know what I'm saying? If you haven't made one, because again, it's going to be hot. So we welcome those who are joining us on Facebook Live. And I say it most every week. Uh, if you're watching us on Facebook, share this to your page from our page. It's kind of been interesting because in the summer, lots of people are kind of not engaging. So I would like for, uh, to ask you to kind of share it over to your page because, again, it just exposes more people uh, to the message today and to the worship today. Again, it's Father's Day. So let me welcome all you fathers that are in the house, dads, uh, stepdads, granddads, fill-in dads, bonus dads. Da I know I'm going to leave out something, but dads of all kind. This is, this, is, uh, this is the day that we honor you, and we just want you to know we love you and we care for you, whether you're in the auditorium or whether you're joining us online and watching us online. Uh, we welcome you and we honor you, and today is the day we get to celebrate you both here at Crossroads, uh, and many of you will be celebrated at home later this afternoon and or tonight. You know, when I, when I think about Father's Day, when, let, me, let me just say this. When I think about Father's Day or when I think about Mother's Day, uh, I just want you to understand from my perspective those are really, really difficult days uh, to come up with a message. Uh, it's not easy to put together a Father's Day message, as you might think, because when you think about families, listen to what I'm saying, families are really complex. I mean, you, when you think about a talk like this, there, there are just lots of things that are in the mix. There are lots of things that you just have to think about. You have to think about people's families. You have to think about people's families of origin. You have to ta take into consideration that there are really dysfunctional families. <laughs> there are family dynamics that are just totally weird. And you have to think about the people that are going to be listening to you. Because, you know, there are, listen, I just want to be up front with you and just tell you, there are lots of people who have issues with their parents. And there are lots of people who have issues with their dads. So this morning, I want to go to the book of Genesis. And more specifically, in just a minute, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 22, if you have your Bible and you want to go ahead and turn there. Let me also say this. Uh, the scripture is also included, not all the points, but the scripture is included in the worship guide. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash crossroads Lebanon. And you'll see the notes and the lyrics to the song there. If you don't know, we had a computer by the farm about three weeks ago. And with all the supply chain issues, we can't get what we need. And we can't just plug in anything else. So it kind of makes us, we're having to go old school. We're having to go uh, summer camp here, Lori Duff told me. It's like summer camp. You know, it is. It really is. I mean, so we're trying to sing songs that you know. Uh, and if you don't want to pull it up, and if you don't know the words, you kind of know them anyway. So that's what we're trying to do. But in just a moment, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. And, and here's the thing I want you to hear me say this morning. We're going to look at somebody this morning who was an imperfect father. And let me tell you why we're looking at an imperfect father. Because that's what I am. I mean, I am an imperfect father. But here's what's interesting. Even though this father that we're going to look at in Scripture was imperfect, he transferred his faith and his hope and his love into his son. In spite of the fact that this person from Scripture that we're looking at 
didn't have a dad, a father, who built faith, hope, and love in him, this imperfect father that we're looking at still transferred his faith and his hope and his love into his son. And the guy we're going to look at this morning, the guy we're talking about, is a guy by the name of Abraham. Now, let me just say this. I know what some of you are already thinking. You're thinking, Abraham, again? Well, I mean, I said it last week or a couple of weeks ago. There's only, God doesn't add chapters to the Bible, and he doesn't add stories, but they are so multi-layered and dynamic. I, don't want you to under, I do want you to understand that although you may know the story of Abraham, my hope this morning is to point out some things in the story of Abraham that you haven't really thought about. I want to point out some things that I think maybe you have missed. And here's the thing I want to tell you. I think the side of Abraham that you're going to see this morning, it's going to be a side of his story and a side of his life that my desire is that it's going to inspire you because it's this picture of an imperfect father. And even though he was an imperfect father, he still made a great impact. Now, the story of Abraham is an interesting story because one of the things that you see right at the beginning of the story is something I've kind of already alluded to. He had the ability, he had the power to, to overcome those family of origin issues. Because we, we, I mean, let me tell you, I don't care who you are, we all have family of origin issues. I mean, think about it. I mean, this room is full of different people. Many of you I know very well. Many of you I don't know. And we all come from different families. And all families, I, I want to get a good amen when I say this, all families have all kinds of issues. <laughs> that, I mean, we just do. There are no perfect families because there are no perfect people. But every person in this room has their own family of origin. So with that being said, when you talk to dads these days, they have something that they want to know. I mean, dads have something they want to know. And the thing that they want to know is this. How do you make as a father the impact of faith, hope, and love with your sons or with your daughters when you grew up in a home and you did not have a dad who actually impacted you with that kind of legacy? a legacy of faith, hope, and love. How do you give that to your children when that wasn't given to you? Now, again, maybe this morning you're one of those people, maybe you're watching online, listening online, you're one of those people who would say, you know what, I didn't even have a dad around the house. I was actually raised by a single mother, a single mom, and kudos to all the single moms. I mean, we value you. Or maybe you, maybe you were somebody who had a dad, but he was just so dysfunctional that he wasn't even around. Or, or maybe you had a dad who struggled with addiction issues, and because of the addiction issues, those issues complicated all the things that had to do with your family of origin and those family of origin issues. It just complicated everything. So again, if that's the case, you may be wondering, how can I pour into my kids how can I give my children something that I didn't even have? Well, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to visualize this glass that I have in my hand. And you can see that this, this glass is a glass that, that doesn't have anything in it. And here's the thing. If, if I'm a parent and I want to pour something into my children, but I didn't have anything poured into me, I never had that, that legacy of faith, hope, and love poured into me, how do I do it? If my glass is empty, how, how do I give something that actually wasn't given to me? How do I do that? How do I give what wasn't given to me? You see, I think that most of us, when we look at the life of Abraham, and we see how his life impacted the world from a spiritual standpoint, we make an assumption. And the assumption that we make because of the spiritual impact that Abraham made on our world is that Abraham must have had a father who poured all of the spiritual things into him and into his life. We naturally, we naturally assume that Abraham had that kind of father. And although the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the father of Abraham, the things that we do know about Abraham's father are very telling. They give us a real visual of the kind of father who impacted the life of Abraham. Look at Joshua 24, verse 2. Again, it's in your worship guide or it's on the Facebook there. You can see that or you can just follow along with me or read your own Bible. Here's what it says, Joshua 24, verse 2. It says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, Terah, the father of Abraham, lived beyond the Euphrates River. Now look at what it says next. And they worshipped, look, 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 and they worshipped other gods. Abraham's father was Terah. The scripture tells us that he worshipped other gods, which tells us that Abraham's father was not a follower of the one true God. So when a Abraham left home, spiritually speaking, his glass was empty because Abraham did not have a father who poured into him. Terah worshiped other gods. So Abraham did not have a father that poured into him. And, and this morning, many of you can, can relate to what I'm saying. You, you can relate to what I'm saying. Because, you know, when you look at your life, spiritually speaking, you, you just wish that you could go back to a time in your life when you actually saw your dad open the Bible and actually read the Bible for himself. You actually wish you could just remember a time when you heard your dad actually praying an authentic prayer. Maybe those are the things that you didn't have in your family of origin. So here's what I want you to know. If you didn't have those things in your family of origin, neither did Abraham. And yet, even though Abraham didn't have those things, we read about Abraham and we see Abraham making the choice. Listen, listen, 
Abraham made his own choice to put God first in his life. Now, Abraham lived in a place called Ur, 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 Ur. I mean, how, how would you like for somebody to ask you, hey, where do you live? We live in Ur, Ur what? He lived in Ur. I mean, you know, you think Watertown's bad, but he lived in Ur. I mean, <laughs> so again, I mean, you know, Watertown's great. They're state champs, by the way. Uh, but, uh, but Abraham was a guy who was affluent. Uh, he was successful. He had accumulated a stockpile of stuff. He had a number of employees. He had a lot of business interests. Abraham was a power broker in the community. He was a mover and shaker. And then all of a sudden, God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, Abraham, I want you to risk it for the biscuit. I want you to think about moving. I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you to go to. I'm going to give you a new land. And not only am I going to give you a new land, I'm going to give you lots of family, many descendants. Well, when God came to Abraham, he was old. And not only was he old, Abraham didn't have any children. And he also didn't have any idea where it was, the land that God wanted him to go to. But in spite of his past, in spite of the fact that Abraham grew up with a non-believing father, the thing that Abraham did believe was that he could trust God and that God would do exactly what he said he would do. God would give him many descendants. So he, decided, he decided to pack up the thing and moved to Beverly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he started to pack up the, 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 the U-Haul or the budget truck and follow God wherever it was that God wanted him to go. Now, listen to this. Abraham made his own decision to follow God. Listen, even when his friends thought he was crazy, he decided himself to overcome those family of origin issues, and he said, you know what? I'm going to take God's hand, and I'm going to follow God. So let me ask you, what do you do? What do you do when you are cruising through life? And all of a sudden, the God that you really haven't given much thought to, the God that you really haven't given a lot of attention to, what do you do when that God comes along and tries to get your attention? Because that's happening to some of you right now. For some of you, that's the very thing that's happening right now. For some of you this morning, that's the very reason that you're in church. You know this morning without any shadow of a doubt that God is trying to get your attention. So if that's the place that the God of heaven and earth is trying to get your attention... Here's the reality of things. You can either accept God's love or you can repel God's love. You can accept God's grace or, or, or you can reject God's grace. Because, see, here's the thing that's happening. The thing that's happening is, is, is God is coming along. And God is saying to you, here's my son. This is my son. 
He's living water to give your soul. And I'm going to give you my son so that you can find grace and love and power. But see, some of you are like this glass turned upside down. Some of you are saying, you know what, I'm not open to that. And, and God's trying to, to pour into you, and it's, it's I mean, it's, it ain't happening. I mean, God's trying to pour into you. He's trying to give you his, his love and his grace and hope and his power, but, but, but you're, not, you're not open to that. You're not open to that at all. And God said, here's my son. And, and, and I'm giving him to you. This is my son. This is my gift to you. And see, here's the way it was in my life. I grew up with a dad who modeled faith, hope, and love to me, to my family, to my kids, to, my grand, to his grandkids. And some of you would say, Randy, well, that, that, ju that just simply wasn't the way it was for me. I didn't have that. Some of you look at your family and your family of origin issues, and, and because you didn't have somebody, a father, that modeled faith, hope, and love, you think, you know what, I can't overcome all the issues that are a part of my family. I, I just can't overcome those things. So if you're one of those people who think, you know what, if you're one of those people that think you can't overcome those issues, there's a problem, a, a promise this morning that I want to show you because this is a promise that you can hold on to. And I know you can hold on to this promise because this is a promise that I know a lot of people hold on to. And it's actually found in Psalm 68, verse 5. The psalmist write, writes, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. So what some of you need to do is you need to turn that glass right side up. And you need to open yourself up to God. And you need to ask God to be your father. Because you didn't have a father. Or you didn't have a father who instilled faith, hope, and love in your life. And you just need to invite God in into your life and to ask him to, to recreate you and to repair you and to remake you, to pour into you what your own father did not pour into you. And by faith this morning, what you could do, listen to me this morning, by faith you could open yourself up to a relationship with God. And you start studying his book, the Bible. And you do it on your own. Because let me tell you, when you start studying the scripture, the scripture has the power to transform you. I mean, you could start having a conversation with God in prayer. Just start talking to God in prayer. I mean, you could start right now drawing close to mentors around our town, in our church, 
and those people could actually pour into you something your father did not pour into you. Because the story of Abraham is a story of a man who experienced the power of God to overcome those family of origin issues simply because, listen, listen, he put his faith in God, not in man. He put his faith in God. And you know what? I look around this church, and I look around our community, and I see people who grew up with an empty glass, spiritually speaking. I mean, every day I encounter people who I know they grew up, spiritually speaking, with a glass like this, and that glass was empty. And even though they grew up with an empty glass, listen to me this morning, somewhere along the way, they said, you know what? I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to open myself up. And God, I'm going to receive you by faith. And I'm going to ask you, God, just do what only you can do. I'm going to ask you, God, to to be my father, to reparent me. And I'm going to pour into my kids something that I didn't have poured into me. And that's the power to overcome those family of origin issues. Let let me show you something else that I believe uh, you can see in the story of Abraham. It's the power to move past the past. The power to move past mistakes. I mean, Abraham took a chance and left home and went towards the land that God would show him. But let me tell you this, in pursuing what God was going to show him, I want you to hear me, Abraham was not a perfect man. Along the way, Abraham would make some mistakes. Let me tell you, some serious mistakes. Abraham would commit some serious sins. And here's the thing I love about Scripture. It does not try to candy coat the sins that were a part of Abraham's life. Here's the first mistake he made. He lied. I mean, Abraham had a beautiful wife, Sarah, or Sarah, that's how it starts out. And one time on a trip, I I believe they were going to Egypt, he was afraid that men in the other country would try to kill him and take his wife because she was so beautiful. So instead, he lies and he tells people that his wife is actually his sister, which in Kentucky, that's kind of the same way, but anyway, so... Uh, I'm just kidding, okay? It's just, I'm just kidding. I love you guys because I can have fun in this service, okay? I mean, isn't it amazing how this guy who was full of faith, don't send me an email, okay? So anyway, because if, if you don't like it, you, you ain't going to like this church anyway. So anyway, uh, isn't it amazing how one minute this guy is full of faith and this minute and the next minute he's overcome by sin? Does that ring a bell? He's just like us. I mean, Abraham is just like us. But here's the thing. In that situation, God, in his grace, even though he lied, he saved both Abraham and Sarah. 
Now, there was another mistake, another sin that he committed in waiting for the promised child. They had waited and waited and waited, but no child. So Abraham commits adultery. Look at verse 2 of Genesis chapter 16. I'm going to read it. You can see it there. It says, so Sarah said to Abraham, just listen to this. This is, this is, I mean, this is days of our lives right here. You know what I mean? The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed <laughs> with Sarah's proposal. I mean, dude, what were you thinking? I mean, guys, guys in the room. Have you ever had your wife ask you one of those questions? Does this dress make my behind look big? The answer to that question is always no. Abraham should have jumped at the moment and said, Honey, never would I sleep with another woman. You are the only woman for me. I can't even think about doing something like that. Because he should have known better. Because the result of Abraham sleeping with her servant was the birth of a son named Ishmael. And now everybody's all under the same roof. Abraham, Sarah, Ishmael, and the mistress Hagar. I mean, think about that. Well, Hagar would create, and Ishmael would create such problems for Ab Abraham that eventually Abraham would have to banish him from the house. And I don't know how many of you know this, but the descendants of Ishmael are the Arabs. And the descendants of the promised child, Isaac, are the Jews. And because of what Abraham did, do you know what would happen? The Arabs and the Jews have been at each other's throats ever since. So when all of this came down, God visit Abraham, visits Abraham again. And God said, Abraham, I made you a promise to give you a child. Because from you, Abraham, all of the nations, all of the people of the nations are going to be blessed. Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. And again, it almost seemed impossible because, listen to me, Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah, his wife, was 90. But the Bible says that when the angel of the Lord told Abraham about the promised child, that Sarah overheard the conversation and started laughing because of what the angel had told Abraham. I mean, honestly, I think I may have said this before, you would laugh too if you thought Medicare was going to have to pay for the birth, right? You would laugh, too, if you were going to McDonald's and getting a child's meal and a senior discount all on the same ticket. They laughed because, again, they knew they were going to go to Sam's and buy Depends and Pampers all at the same time. But God did exactly what he said. And at the ripe old age of 100, 
he gave Abraham a son. And they named that son Isaac, which means laughter. So here's what I want you to understand. This is good. Abraham is proof that God can use imperfect fathers. Even when those imperfect men have made some terrible, critical mistakes. And I just want to be candid here. As a dad, do you understand that most dads feel pretty inadequate? We do. And you know why? It's because we, don't, we know what we're not good at. Most of us who are dads, we know our faults. I mean, we're like Abraham, and we can look back, and we can tell you where we've screwed up, and we can tell you the things that we're not good at. We tend to think, you know what, we can't deal with the past, we can't change the past. But the thing that we have to remember is that God is the God of new beginnings. Now, think about it like this. It doesn't matter. Listen, somebody needs this. I'm going to tell you, somebody needs this. It doesn't matter where your feet have been. It matters where your feet are headed. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you're going. And today, I believe, on Father's Day of 2022, God is waiting for some of you. I believe God is waiting for some of you in this auditorium. I believe that some of you online who are watching, I believe God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you to quit walking around with your glass upside down and to turn it right side up. And instead of repelling God's love, God wants to give you his love. And you just need to accept his grace and forgiveness so he can pour that into you. See, God says, I'm waiting for you this morning. I'm waiting so I can give you a second chance. Because I want to give you living water that only I can give. That, that, that's my desire. I want to give you living water. And it's the living water that only I can give you. Because that living water can satisfy the deepest levels of your soul. So Abraham leaves a legacy of faith, hope, and love to Isaac. Because by God's grace, Abraham found out that he can move past the mistakes that he had made in his past. Let me show you something else about the life of Abraham. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness, even when Abraham was severely tested. Now, as you might expect, when this long-awaited son, Isaac, was born, Abraham loved him with great intensity. This was his only son. This was the son of the promise. And Abraham was crazy about Isaac. But one day, God tested the faith of Abraham. I told you we were getting to Genesis 22. Here it is. Look at Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Abraham, 
Here I am, he replied. Then God said, look at what, look at what God said. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. I mean, what a request. Nobody's laughing now, huh? Nobody's laughing now. Isaac might have meant laughter, but nobody's laughing now. What a request. He loved his son. He couldn't kill his son because his son was the promised son of nations. And he wouldn't have another son. I mean, don't you know that was a sleepless night? What would he do? Would he do it or would he not do it? So the next morning, Abraham woke up, and he has a choice to make. And the choice, listen, 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 was faithfulness to God. Even in the midst of this severe test. Let me, let me go back to last week. Remember last week if you were here? It's easy to obey God when things are good. It's easy to obey God when things are easy. It's easy to worship God and obey God when things are going the way that we expect them to go. The real test is this. The real test is to obey God when things don't make sense. The real test is when God requires you to sacrifice something, something that you're not really sure that you want to let go of. That's where the real test is. When God wants to take something from you that you don't want to let go of. So the next morning, early the next morning, Abraham packed up and he took two servants. And he headed to the mountain, ready to obey God, ready to sacrifice his son on the altar. Now think about this. This goes against every good parenting instinct that's inside of us. And you have to wonder what was going on in the mind of Abraham during all of this. And interestingly enough, Hebrews 11 gives us some insight at what was happening. I, I want you to look at Hebrews 11, 17, 18, and 19. Here's what it says. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered as Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Abraham followed God's instructions because he believed. He believed in the goodness and the power of God. And Abraham reasoned. L listen, I want you to follow me. He reasoned that if God allows me to sacrifice my son, I know who God is. And God will raise him from the dead and will bring him back to life. And he was so confident of God's promise that he would obey it even though it seemed unreasonable. Can I just say something? I don't know, I don't know of any other time that God has asked anyone to sacrifice a child, although you may have thought about it. 
but I know of no other time that God has asked somebody to sacrifice a child. And you have to remember that God didn't do it, but God was just testing him. Parents, let me tell you something. Do you want to raise kids who put God first? then the odds of that happening are higher when you put God first. And that's what Abraham did. Let, let me tell you again, as a father, as a parent, I, I just want you to know, I'm not an expert at parenting and fatherhood. But I know that. If you're going to raise kids who put God first, then you as a father and mother, as a parent, you've got to be the person that, put God, that puts God first. Let me, let, me, let me show you something else in the story that I see. It's the power of faith at home. You see, when I read the story of Abraham, there's, there's something that's clear to me. And that is the fact that Abraham and Isaac had gone to worship together. Look at, look at verse 6 of chapter 22. It says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, this is something that you would just kind of read over, but I, I want to pull this out so that you understand this. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father. And Abraham replied, Yes, my son. Well, we have, Father, the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where's the sheep? Where's the sheep for the offering? Notice that Isaac didn't ask Abraham, what's all this stuff for? He didn't ask that. He didn't ask what the fire was for, the wood was for, what the knife was for. Notice that Isaac didn't ask Abraham, hey, what, what is it we're about to do? And the reason that he didn't ask that is because obviously, li listen, listen, they had done this thing before. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to speak to the parents in the room. If you want to transfer your faith to your children, then your children need to see you worship God. That's where the rubber meets the road, parents. If you want to transfer your faith to your children, then your children need to see you worshiping God. Your children need to see you worshiping God regularly in church. Even when you don't feel like it, even though you saw Brooks and Dunn last night. Even when you've been out late the night before. Even if you're going to miss the big game at Nissan Stadium. Is that what it's called now? Even when you've gotten out of the habit of coming to church because of COVID. You need to grab yourself up by the ankles and get your tail to church. And you need to bring your family with you. Parents, listen to me. Your children need to know that your worship on Sunday morning at church is something that's important to you. Because your kids need to see you bowing your head in prayer. They need to see you listen to the message and then the next week take that message seriously. They need to see you take communion seriously and gratefully. When the offering time comes, they need to see you give sacrificially. And they need to see you worship at home. 
Parents, listen to me. Say a prayer at the dinner table. Say a simple prayer at home. Listen to Christian music every now and then. Read the Bible. Read Christian books every now and then. Because here's the thing. When you see the conversation between Isaac and Abraham, we just read it. You notice it's, it's just a casual conversation. Isaac is asking Abraham the question. And Abraham, look, 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 look at what Abraham, look at the way he responds in verse 8. He says, God will provide a sheep for the offering, my son. And they both walked along together. I mean, just think about it. You're about to sacrifice your son, and in that moment, your son asks you the question, and you reply, God will supply the sheep. I mean, even in that moment that Abraham is under indescribable pressure, Abraham is able to interject a spiritual truth to his son without being too preachy. Parents, I need you to hear me. Parents, listen to me. Spiritual truths are not taught at crossroads one hour a week on Sunday. That's not the only time that spiritual truths are taught. Spiritual truths are taught the other 167 hours a week where you have the opportunity to influence your children. Listen to this quote. Studies show that the more often families eat together, the less likely kids are to smoke, drink, do drugs, get depressed, develop eating disorders, consider suicide, and the more likely they are to, to do well in school, delay having sex, eat their vegetables, learn big words, and know which fork to use. Now let me tell you, that didn't come out of the Baptist reflector. The Baptists in the house will understand that. You know, the old school Baptists. That came out of the liberal rag Time magazine. 2006. It's a powerful truth. And here's the truth. Eating together as a family cures just about everything except the economy. Because as a parent, when you look back at your life, you already know this as a parent. Some of the most teachable moments in your life occurred around a table. Because it's in those moments that you were able to talk about things. How we should react to certain things in certain situations. Abraham gets to the top of the mountain. The place that he thought that he was supposed to build an altar, which would be the place that he would sacrifice the son that he loved, the son of the promise on it. And the time comes, and Abraham takes his only son. Now think about this as a parent. His only son, and he binds his arms and his legs together so that when he slits his throat, that there's going to be no struggle. And for the last time, 
Abraham holds his father, uh, holds his son, the way a father would hold a newborn son. And he looks at him. And as he holds his body, he remembers all the things that they did and he did as a dad. He holds the body of Isaac and he remembers all the nights that he watched Isaac sleep through the wonder of it all. Abraham is holding Isaac for the last time. And then he places him on the altar. And you know that with tears in his eyes, he raises the knife that will destroy all the hopes and joys and dreams. The knife that's about to remove the laughter from their home. And and, and I put myself in his place and I thought, you know what? You just know that he was trying to explain to Isaac what was about to happen. And we read this story and we hear this story and we say, why would God, why would God request this of Abraham? God knows all things. I mean, God, didn't God know what was on Abraham's heart? Didn't God know that Abraham trusted him? Because doesn't God know everything? Yes, I think God knew exactly what was on Abraham's heart. But here's the thing I want you to see that maybe you've never seen before. I think God wanted Isaac, the son, to see the depth of Abraham's faith. I think God wanted Isaac to see the depth of Abraham, his father's faith. God wanted Isaac to know that Abraham loved God more than he loved anything. This young boy on this altar needed to understand that even though that, that his father loved him, Abraham's allegiance was to God and to God first. And that allegiance went deeper than the love that Abraham had for his son. And let me tell you this morning, that's a picture that I don't think Isaac will ever forget. The picture of his father holding a knife in one hand and brushing away the tears with the other hand. And Abraham raised the knife about to sacrifice his only son and something dramatic happened. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the place of the sacrifice, he called that place, the Lord will provide. God stopped the hand of Abraham. And I can only imagine how quickly he untied his son. And how he gave detailed instructions to Isaac 
about all the instructions that God had given him. And then together they did it. Father and son, they sacrificed the ram and they worshiped God. And together they headed down the mountain thankful for the provision that God had provided. Listen to me this morning. Don't ever underestimate the power of a dad. Don't ever underestimate the power of a dad. Don't ever underestimate the power of a dad who will take God's hand and overcome those family of origin issues. Don't ever underestimate the power of a dad who who really trusts the grace of Jesus Christ to come into their lives and to help them move past the mistakes they've made. Don't ever underestimate the power of a dad to stay faithful even when he's tested. Don't ever underestimate the power of a dad to instill faith at home. Crossroads, listen to me this morning. You have a father, a heavenly father, who's pursuing you. And you know what he wants? He wants to come alongside you and do life with you. And you know what he did? He sent his only son to die on an altar for you. But there wasn't any angel there to prevent those nails from being driven into his hand and to his feet. Because Jesus died. And God sacrificed his son for you. And, it, and it's almost like God is saying to you this morning, just receive. Just receive my love and my faith and my hope and my grace and my mercy. Because when I pour that into you, I'm going to continue to pour that into you and it's going to continue to overflow. And it's not going to just impact you. It's going to impact your kids. And it will overflow and impact your grandkids. Because when you receive that, you're going to leave a legacy like Abraham. A legacy of faith and hope and love. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we're so thankful for the clarity of Scripture. And I say the clarity of Scripture, sometimes it has to be discerned and divided rightly so that we see it for what it truly is. But we're so thankful this morning that we can look at the Father 
like many nations, Abraham. A guy who didn't have things poured into him. But even though he didn't have things poured into him, he took the time to make the choice to worship God so that he could leave a legacy for his son. A legacy of faith, a legacy of hope, a legacy of love. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know where you are on this Father's Day. Maybe your glass has been turned upside down and God has been knocking on your door and you've been rejecting and repelling every advance that he has made on you. Maybe today is the day that you turn that glass upside down and you put yourself in a position to receive everything he wants for you. Maybe today, this is the day that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you ask him to do in your life what your earthly father didn't do for you, to pour into you, to recreate you, to repair you, to remake you, to do what only he can do. Maybe right where you are, you just simply pray, pray, God, I now see with clarity that it's you that's been knocking on my heart's door. And God, I didn't have an earthly father to pour into me. And I know you're the father to the fatherless. So God, this morning, do what only you can do. Repair, recreate, remake me to be your child. Forgive me of the past mistakes that I've made. And use me as an imperfect person, knowing that because of the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus, that when the blood covers me, that you see me as your perfect child. Let me tell you today, if you've made that decision or if you make that decision, you can indicate that on your tear-off. And next week, we're observing baptism in both services, and we would love to include you in that, in that baptism service. Let us know on the tear-off. See me after the service. See one of our guest service team members. They'll get the information that they need from you, and we'll get you included in next week's service. Maybe for the rest of us, with every head bowed, we just need to come to a place in our life today where we realize that, you know, we need God to do something in our life, to remake, to recreate, to repair the things that have happened to us, to overcome those family of origin issues, to move past mistakes that we've made, the things that were done to us by other people, to be better parents, to instill faith, to, to have faith when we're severely tested. Maybe you just need to ask God to do something right where you're seated, right in, in this auditorium, whether you're at home or watching from your business. You just need to ask God to do what only he can do. Because he's your defender. He goes before you. He comes behind you and protects you. You just have to turn that glass right side up and open yourself up to the things that he wants to do in your life. God, thank you for this day, the, the day that we celebrate earthly fathers with the picture of looking at our heavenly father, knowing that you can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. As we ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand together?
Yeah.